Extra Daily Planet Extra. The Man of Scream. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 32 of Man of Screen Extra. I am your host, Mike Zumo, and this is going to be another installment in my, I guess call it the Shared Fandom series. I'm not I'm not necessarily sure that I was going to make Shared Fandom a series, but I guess I will record episodes about this as I see fit. The last time I did this was on way back in Man of Screen Extra episode 18 where I talked about uh, Haley's growing interest in uh, Harry Potter. And I talked about Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone after having uh, read the book with Haley for the first time. Ironically enough, Haley and I are beginning another Harry Potter project as we speak to kind of pick up where we uh, left off. We're going to read all the books and watch the movies. And because it was so long ago... This was about at least two years ago. She decided to uh, read the first book again. As Well, actually, I'm doing the reading. And uh, she's doing the listening. I mean, she's uh, nine years old at this point. Not quite ready to be reading the Harry Potter book. So I'm doing the reading and she's doing the listening. And uh, the color commentary as well. So perhaps there will be a future episode on that as we go along. But this time around, I'm going to talk some Star Wars as... Uh, for those of you who uh, remember, I think it was episode 120 of the regular podcast, the uh, where Haley and I had just come back from seeing the 40th anniversary showing of Superman the movie, Haley uh, made a comment that she's not too into Star Wars. Well, we went to see Rise of Skywalker back at the end of last year, and it basically started um, a several months long viewing project, and we took breaks here and there for other stuff. But over the first four months of the year, we watched all 11 Star Wars movies, finishing up uh, last Saturday with The Rise of Skywalker. So I'm going to be just I'm just going to be giving a quick run through of some of what I observed as we watched the 11 movies. These are not going to be analyses of the movie. It's just going to be me talking a little bit about my experience with Haley while watching these these films. So I might put a little my own commentary in there, but, you know, this is not going to be a deep dive into the Star Wars movies. I have neither the inclination or the time. What made this viewing project special was this is the first time that Haley got introduced to Star Wars, and it was very interesting watching something I've seen my entire life through the lens of somebody who's seeing it for the first time. It makes you think of some things you never thought of, but more on that later. Before I get into uh, this episode, I have feedback to address. As usual, feedback is from Dave McElvenny, and Dave is writing in on Man of Screen Extra Episode 31, in which I spoke about Parts 4 and 5 of Crisis on Infinite Earth back in January. This just goes to show how long it's been since I've put out a Man of Screen Extra. And Dave writes, Greetings, Mike, Brian, Chris, and Scott. For those of you who uh, don't remember, I had, uh, had Brian Hughes and his son Chris and uh, Scott McGregor. Scott and Brian were... Uh, former co-host uh, with uh, me over on Fear of the Walking Dead cast. And uh, 
his wife Beth couldn't join us because of work, but uh, his son Chris uh, joined us. So uh, I actually had to look it up to him. I forgot who Chris was. Don't tell Brian. So Dave writes, it was good to hear you guys discussing the last two parts of the Crisis crossover. And for me, it was very good to hear Chris talk about his comic reading experiences. I don't know a lot of younger people who read comics, so I enjoyed that, especially hearing of his love for The Flash, who has always been one of my favorites, too. I must admit, though, to feeling old when he asked about Gleek. I often forget that those cartoons were so long ago and not a part of everyone's childhood. As for the main discussion of the TV episodes in The Crisis, I don't have much to add to the discussion other than that, for the most part, I really enjoyed it. Even the Legends episode, and many of the things I liked were the parts that were not the same as in the original comic book series, like not killing Supergirl or The Flash, although we pretty much knew they weren't going to kill them off. It will be inter interesting to see where the Arrowverse goes now, and I'm hoping that we might still see annual crossovers between the Justice League and Justice Society, as in the days of the Silver and Bronze Ages. Thanks for this episode, and I, and I look forward to the regular Man of Screen when it returns. Live long and prosper, Dave. Well, it's been a while since this email came through. Uh, the second half of the Crisis crossover was in January. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I really don't have much to add to Dave's comments. Uh, Dave felt old when uh, Chris uh, asked about Gleek. Well, to be honest, Dave, for a while I had forgotten about Gleek as well, even though I remember the Wonder Twins. That monkey is uh, better off forgotten. And I don't really don't have anything further to add to, uh, the, to the discussion as far as where the Arrowverse goes now, you know, I'm, in a way, a little bit done with the annual crossover. I mean, and uh, I'm recording this on April 29th, uh, the end of uh, this current season of the Arrowverse, along with everything else in life, has been uh, torpedoed by the uh, coronavirus pandemic. So I'm sure there's going to be a lot of catching up when uh, these shows return next season. There are still a handful of episodes remaining on the various shows, and they've kind of had to retool some things. I guess. I guess we'll find out. I haven't actually watched any, seen any finales yet. It's still April. It may not be when this episode comes out, but I'm recording on April 29th. And while I don't know if I want to, I'm really ready for any more annual crossovers, I would like to see smaller crossovers if the show's schedule, shooting schedules per, and airing schedules permit. Like, like for instance, you know, obviously Barry Allen was a large part of the, uh, Crisis crossover, he was disappeared from the Flash for almost three episodes. I mean, some of these crossovers are fun, but they do come at a price for the main show. So, you know, you want to be able to do maybe cr crossover episodes where the disruption is minimized. You know, maybe, depending on how things work out, maybe some kind of crossover between Supergirl and the Superman show for an episode or something. I don't know. But I don't know where else you go with the annual crossover now that you've done this. You have to go bigger, and I don't know if you have to go bigger, but maybe it's best to go smaller for a while, kind of the way the Marvel Cinematic Universe is doing uh, after Endgame, after Avengers Endgame. You can't go much larger than that, so you kind of scale back a little bit. I am not comparing the two on any level other than the fact that they are kind of a landmark for both franchises, the DC, the CW, DC TV franchise and the Marvel movies. They were both, you know, landmarks on each of those and you're not gonna each entity is not going to get bigger than what they just did so it's best to scale back and build again but that's really all i've got to say about that i hope uh, dave has enjoyed the return of the regular episodes i believe i've released three or four at this point as of this recording i maybe even five i don't know if it's up man but 
If you want to send feedback like Dave has, it's always welcome. Manisgreen at gmail.com. Right now, I'm going to take a podcast promo break. And when I come back, I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, shared fandom with Haley and uh, talk about some of our thoughts on, on the prequel trilogy. Hang around, folks. Coming soon from the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Working together, we saved the planet. And I believe that if we stayed together as a team, we would be a force that could truly work for the ideals of peace and justice. Every episode. My name is Jean. I'm a Martian. Every adventure. <sighs> okay. You guys are so slow. Every hero. Whatever you think you're doing, if you present a threat to the world, the Justice League will take you down. Cindy and Chris Franklin bring you JLU Cast. Whatever the future holds, we'll make those choices ourselves. Don't say you don't love me. I'll never say that. Covering the complete animated run of Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. And the adventure continues. There's strength in numbers. What? Like a bunch of super friends? More like a Justice League. All right, welcome back, folks. All right, so after seeing The Rise of Skywalker, you know, this was the right time for Haley to go through the Star Wars films. She had come to the theaters in the past. We saw, she didn't see The Force Awakens in the theaters. She saw Rogue One, I believe she fell asleep, and The Last Jedi. I don't think she fell asleep on The Last Jedi. We went we went to the family to see that. And she stayed awake, but I don't think anything really registered with her. And I wanted to see Solo by myself. And now the family situation is a little bit different, and Haley and I pretty much go to movies together. I mean, I ask her, before, obviously I have to take her to her movies, but I always ask her if she wants to see one of mine before uh, I drag her along. That's how I got her to Superman, and that's how I got her to Avengers Endgame, even though she fell asleep through about two-thirds of it. And uh, that's how I got her to see Rise of Skywalker, you know. Honestly, I went in there and I was expecting her to just tolerate it, but as I looked next to her, I don't know, something was lighting up. I mean, she was familiar with characters like Chewie and and who isn't uh, familiar with Darth Vader, but I don't know, something in The Rise of Skywalker when we saw it in the theaters, grabbed her. And she liked it more than I thought she would. So so I asked her, because Rise of Skywalker came out in the middle of, in early, uh, mid-December, we went opening weekend, and uh, she was going to go see her mother around Christmas break, as she always does. So I asked her, you know, when you come back, do you want to start watching the uh, Star Wars movies? And, you know, Haley can be kind of hit or miss with uh, committing the, the viewing projects. You know, but I found, like, even on my own, when I did my lead up to Avengers Endgame, I started in uh, December of 2018 and basically did one Marvel movie a week leading up to Endgame. And I found that worked well for me because if I watch one a week, I don't get burned out on it. And I actually find myself when uh, when I know I'm going to be watching, I get a little bit more excited for it. You know, you do your viewing projects as you will. I find the once a week thing really works well for me, especially something that's really long, like the Marvel movies. You know, granted, 22 weeks is almost half of the year, but in a, I don't know, the once a week thing just seems to work. And besides with everything going on, school and at least up until the end of last month and everything else, just finding one two hour block per week to watch a movie or actually two and a half or so is difficult enough. So we usually found it on the weekend, either a Saturday or a Sunday. So once we decided to do that, we, uh, 
Then comes the big question, because nothing is easy with Star Wars. Do release order, machete order, this order, that order, or do you want an order of fries with it? Mayo on the side, you know. And from watching Rise of Skywalker, they were things she already knew. She knew that, that Darth Vader was Luke Skywalker's father because she knew from what she saw that Luke and Leia were brother and sister. So the reveal in The Empire Strikes Back was really going to mean very little to her. So we decided to go chronologically. I also did not want to color her viewing with my perceptions. I wanted her to experience these films the way she wants, and I didn't want to dictate it. And if we had started with what the horror is Star Wars for, that's kind of painful. To me, that movie's always Star Wars. And then she kind of makes me cringe a little bit, but, you know, it is what it is. So, like I said, we started with The Phantom Menace. refer to the prophecy of the one who will bring balance to the force you believe it's this boy he can see things before they happen he can help you the force is unusually strong with him he was meant to help you Anakin tell him to take off will I ever see you again what does your heart tell you are you sure about this trusting our fate to a boy we hardly know Anakin Skywalker meet Obi-Wan Kenobi I sense much fear in you. The boy is dangerous. They all sense it. Why can't you? Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. She liked it. You know, I still kind of find The Phantom Menace is almost in episode zero. It could just as easily be a standalone film a la Rogue One and Solo because you can really watch the rest of the prequel trilogy leave off episode one end. You have to do a very little bit of catch up to know what you need to know because episode two has to actually reintroduce everybody again. But, you know, she was eight years old. She found Jar Jar funny, which I imagine how an eight-year-old is going to find that character. And, you know, Haley's always been very empathetic, shedding a tear when Annie had to leave his mother. You know, she made a lot of character connections just from what she already knows. I mean, she really wasn't a ton familiar with the classic look of Luke Skywalker, but she knows enough about Princess Leia that she did see a little bit of Leia in Padme. And, and when she saw Rise of Skywalker a few weeks earlier... Leia looks enough like what she looked like in the original trilogy to make that connection. Mark Hamill in the sequel trilogy looked nothing like the Luke Skywalker of the original films. So that leap might be a little bit more. A little bit more. So like I said, she was scared when Anakin had to leave his mother. Made a lot of character connections from what she had already known. And she got really excited when Yoda appeared on the screen. And then she asked about baby Yoda. Because, you know... In the last uh, portion of uh, 2019, Baby Yoda was everywhere. And I had obviously known about Baby Yoda from watching The Mandalorian, so 
Just from that question alone, originally the plan was to only do the films. Well, just from that plan alone, it was very obvious we were going to be doing The Mandalorian as well. She was initially very amazed at how much Star Wars stuff was on Disney+, and expressed some interest in the other content. And I know uh, Hope Mullinax, who hosts uh, J Guys and Jedi with Chris Honeywell, was really pushing for me to, uh, to have her watch the Clone Wars movie, but we passed on it at least this time. I will see if at some point, maybe after we're done with this Harry Potter stuff. I mean, because, you know, sometimes, especially with, with Emily, who's only two at this point, it's very tough for Haley and I to kind of find a half hour just about every night. And you'd probably need that to watch Clone Wars. If you just if we did an episode a night, we'd be lucky. Right now, that time is being dedicated to, to reading the Harry Potter books. So maybe after we're done with that, I'll see if I can get her watching some Clone Wars. Because I would like her to see that. I do believe Clone Wars enriches the prequels. So there's hope. Hope. <laughs> That didn't come out quite the way I wanted it, but, you know, it is what it is, so. After two years ago saying she's not that into Star Wars, the bug is better. So, after that, we moved on a week later to Attack of the Clones. I will not let this Republic be split in two. My negotiations will not fail. If they do, there aren't enough Jedi to protect the Republic. We're keepers of the peace, not soldiers. You know I don't like it when you do that. Sorry, Master. I forgot you don't like flying. Well, you've lost him. If you'll excuse me. I hate it when he does that. Anakin, don't do anything without first consulting either myself or the Council. You don't need guidance, Anakin. I see you becoming the greatest of all Jedi. The boy has exceptional skills. His abilities have made him arrogant. Excuse me. I'm in charge of security here, milady. They are using a bounty hunter named Jango Fett to create a clone army. Wait. We must stop them before they're ready. Your clones are very impressive. They'll do their job well. Blast! That's why I hate flying! This is a crisis. The Senate must vote the Chancellor emergency powers. As my first act, I will create a grand army of the Republic to counter the increasing threats of the Separatists. Hasn't been a full-scale war since the formation of the Republic. You must join me, Obi-Wan. And together, we will destroy the Sith. The dark side clouds everything. In grave danger, you are. This Clone War has. Apparently, uh, and basically my notes for this episode are basically my Facebook posts. So if you and I are Facebook friends, you can scroll down my profile and uh, basically find the posts that I made. I know uh, Hope enjoyed them, so hopefully you're listening, Hope. So we moved on to, like I said, we moved on to Attack of the Clones. Apparently it snowed that day. 
And Haley said she enjoyed uh, this one more than The Phantom Menace. Not having the run times handy, I believe Attack of the Clones is the longest of the prequel trilogy. So Haley does struggle a little bit with length, you know, especially because these aren't as exciting throughout, you know, and the, the middle of Attack of the Clones lags a little bit. So Haley struggled with the length there a little bit. And before I go on, I, I should I wanted to say this earlier. I really did want to get Haley on this episode, but she kind of gave me a strange look. Like she really didn't, you know, want to. I don't think she really would really know what to say. And honestly, the only times I've really been able to get her on the show, I've had to do a stealth recording. You know, she had to not know the recorder was going. I think if she knows she's being recorded, she'd clam up. So, I mean, it is what it is. She's eight. So, that's why it's just me talking about what I saw through her and why you're not hearing her. Maybe someday she'll join me on an episode for real, but I wasn't going to force her if she didn't want to. So, like I said, after... Even though she struggled with the length, she's getting more invested with the characters. Her favorite so far is Padme. And she gets really excited anytime Yoda comes on the screen. She didn't really remember very many names if from episode one. And anyone who knows Haley knows that she is absolutely horrible with names. I mean, she'll come home from school and tell you she's got a new best friend. Oh, you have a new best friend? What's her name? I forgot. So it came as no surprise to me that she didn't really remember Qui-Gon's name. So... She just said that he looked like Obi Wan looked like the teacher, and she did notice that uh, all the students had that long braid. So she's paying attention. She hit her face whenever Anakin and Padme kissed. I covered my ears whenever they spoke to each other. So you can guess who spent most of the time hiding. Now, if I had to guess, you know, she was all right with this one. You know, I guess if she had to, she'd give it three or three three point five. Sorry, my ladies. So you know, again, she liked it. She you know. At no point did she ever say, I don't want to do this anymore. So I'm sure all it had to take one movie she hated she hated to totally derail this. So she stuck with it. She enjoyed them all. At least that's what she told me. So you finish off the prequel trilogy, obviously, with Revenge of the Sith. The dark side of the Force is a pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural. Is it possible to learn this power? Not from a Jedi. The Council wants you to report on all the Chancellor's dealings. That's treason. We are at war, Anakin. Very dangerous putting them together. I don't think the boy can handle it. I don't trust him. I need your help, son. I'm appointing you to be my personal representative on the Jedi Council. You're on this council, but we do not grant you the rank of master. What? Obi-Wan and the council don't trust me. Learn to know the dark side of the Force, and you will achieve a power greater than any Jedi. You're under arrest, Chancellor. Are you threatening me, Master Jedi? is now an enemy of the Republic. 
do what must be done. Do not hesitate. Show no mercy. Who could have done this? Twisted by the dark side, young Skywalker has become. I feel so helpless. <laughs> And I must say, even though she should have seen a lot of this coming, Haley was none too pleased about the some of the turn of events that this film brought about. And I'll be honest, this is the movie I was kind of dreading. Because, you know, shit hits the fan in this movie, and I had a feeling just by the turn of events that if anything was going to derail the Star Wars train, it was going to be the events of Revenge of the Sith. Because, you know, with every movie, she expects the good guys to win and not basically get their asses kicked. And uh, there was tears as uh, Padme, her favorite character, met her ultimate fate. And I had made a previous post, but Haley was none too happy with Anakin. I'm not, and I don't know why she didn't make this connection, but she, and I wish I'd recorded this. But the only way to get a true recording of this would have been to keep my phone on record for the entire uh, run of the movie, just in case Haley said something interesting. Because it's kind of funny, while we watched Rise of Skywalker the other day, Haley pointed out that the C-3PO doesn't shut up. I kind of looked at her and said, yeah, well, neither do you. Because, she, you know, she's a blabber. You know, she's, okay, we're in the theater. You can't hear anything, even though you're right next to each other. You know, the volume was not as much down uh, in my man cave with the surround sound on. So she has a little more uh, space to blabber. And boy, she does she. I mean, I have to keep telling her, quiet, pay attention. <laughs> Otherwise, going to miss something. But she went on this rant, like, to the extent of, like, what is Anakin doing? What is he doing with his life? He's going to be a father, and now he's listening to the bad guys? Like, what is he doing? She was angry at Anakin for the choices he was making. And I think she understood why Obi-Wan had to do what he had to do. And, you know, she made the connection to the lightsaber. I think I had to tell her that it was the same one that Ray was using in The Rise of Skywalker. Remember, at this point, she hadn't seen Force Awakens and Last Jedi yet. And being familiar with the, the original characters enough that she perked up when she heard the baby's names. So the pieces are starting to fall into place. Even if it took her a few minutes to recognize the half-completed Darth Vader suit, you know, I don't think Haley may necessarily made the connection of Darth Vader when he looks like Anakin to Darth Vader when he ends up in the uh, mechanical suit. To her, Darth Vader is the black suit and the breathing. I think in her mind, and it, I can see how she would think this, in her mind, Obi-Wan was was fighting more Anakin than Darth Vader. Darth Vader is the striking image, and before he gets into the suit, Darth Vader is not that. So uh, from there, we went on to Solo, which is our first detour from the main story. You're after something. Is it revenge? 
money? Or is it something else? You look good. A little rough around the edges, but good. Heard about a job. Big shot gangster putting together crew. I'm a driver. And I'm a flyer. I waited a long time for a shot like this. What do you think? Well, what do you know? You got a line on a ship? Yeah, I know a guy. He's the best smuggler around. I heard a story about you. I was wondering if it's true. Everything you've heard about me is true. Whoa. <laughs> L3! Let's go with a mean man's face. Who are these guys? If you come with us, you're in this life for good. You might wanna buckle up, baby. give you some advice. Assume everyone will betray you, and you will never be disappointed. I got a really good feeling about this. Since when do you know how to fly? 190 years old? You look great. Push it! You know, I was kind of wondering how I would handle the, um, the the two standalone films. But I asked her. They were there, she said. And she was game, so. We continued in chronological order, even though this was the second of the standalone films released. Started with Solo, and you're able to sell this one to her easily because it's got Chewie in it. She loves Chewbacca. Even though, funny story, when we went to Disney World in 2016, and we were talking about going back... I think next year, 2021 or 2022, but you know, things have been thrown into such upheaval. I was laid off uh, when the pandemic hit, so all of those plans are in the air at the moment. But I kind of had to sell this one to her as basically had Chewie in it, but eh, she wasn't a fan. You know, she's come to associate Star Wars with certain things, and uh, this film, while in the Star Wars universe, didn't have the Star Wars element that you're come to associate with it. No lightsabers, no for the force was was absent, just some robots, and I really had to coax her through through this one. It's one of those films that I asked myself, would I have watched this film if it were not Star Wars? I may have eventually, but uh, you know, I may not have made a point of it. And plus, this movie has kind of a checkered history with me because when I I went to see it in the theater by myself, and that's neither here nor there. But like right when the words Solo a Star Wars story come on. My phone went off. I, lo- I looked at it, and it was a newspaper that I had applied, that I had interviewed with for a job. Took the call. Didn't get the job. You know, sometimes when you don't get the job, they just don't call you. Well, at least this particular editor was nice enough to call me. But uh, it soured my mood right at the beginning of the movie, and I almost contemplated not going in to watch it. But figured you know, since I paid the 30 bucks to take a movie ticket to popcorn, I may as well go finish. I may as well go. So, But I went and watched it. Didn't enjoy it. Probably wasn't in the mood. And honestly, this past viewing was the first time I'd actually stayed awake through the whole thing. So, this one, this is probably toward the bottom of Star Wars films for me. And more so than any of the prequels, 
you really need somewhat of an understanding of the original trilogy to really appreciate this film. And Haley didn't have that. For instance, if you don't know the uh, original three films, the significance of Han and Chewie, even though it's play- even though Han is played by a different actor, sitting in their proper seats on the Millennium Falcon is lost on you. But I did enjoy seeing uh, Han win the ship from Lando. But, you know, the Darth Maul reveal did throw her at the end because he shows up in the hologram. She's like, she gives me this weird look like, what? Isn't he dead? <laughs> and uh, I really couldn't disagree with her, you know. I was not a fan of Clone Wars bringing back Darth Maul. And I'm en- I enjoyed the most recent episode of Clone Wars a little bit less because, especially now that I know Maul and Ahsoka's final fate, but that's not here here to litigate that. But, you know, Solo for me is just a weak entry. Now, Rogue One. Whatever I do, I do it to protect you. So you understand? I understand. Rebellion is all that remains to push back the Empire. You think you might be able to help us? When was the last time you were in contact with your father? What is this? It appears he is critical to the development of a super weapon. If my father built this thing, we need to find him. All right. How many do I need? They are requesting a call sign. It's, um, Rogue. Rogue One. The power that we are dealing with here is immeasurable. If the Empire has this kind of power, what chance do we have? We have hope. Rebellions are built on hope. Hold of this moment. The force is strong. Make ten men feel like a hundred. We'll take the next chance. And the next time. You're all rebels, aren't you? Save the rebellion! Save the dream! We went right on to Rogue One, and uh, she enjoyed this more than Solo, as it does have more of the uh, traditional Star Wars trappings and links, links to other films. Haley immediately recognized Bail Organa. However, she did mistakenly t- take him for uh, Jin's, Jin Erso's father, Galen, who we saw in the opening sequence of the film. And I can see how they, ha- they do have some similarity in their appearance, but, you know, she's not as invested as some of us fans might be. Most of us were annoyed at the R2-D2 and uh, C-3PO cameo, but her reaction was kind of like one of those that, you know what, now it looks like Star Wars. You know, she kind of sees R2 and 3PO, and you know what, that's Star Wars. So she made the immediate connection when Mon Mothma 
mentioned Bale's Jedi friend. She immediately knew that he was talking about Obi Wan. That she was talking about Obi Wan Kenobi. So it was very cool seeing her make those connections. I was again like Revenge of the Sith. I was concerned about Haley's reaction to basically everyone dying at the end of the movie, but the film ending on Leia did give her a little bit of a jolt, and she really was able to notice how the end of Rogue One leads nicely into the beginning of the 1977 Star Wars film. I do have one quibble with this film. Tarkin still looks like a video game character sending me on my next mission. I just, I can't look past that. He looks like a a video game cutscene character. You know, Marvel, well, Marvel really hasn't done this, but I just don't think the uh, photorealistic uh, people are there yet for live action. Now, on an interesting note, Having seen The Rise of Skywalker, she asked if Jin at the beginning was young Rey. Understandable. You know, maybe if uh, how much of that could have been avoided if they just cast a Ginger or, or a Blonde in that role. But, you know, that's neither here nor there. There is enough, uh, again, enough similarity in the appearances of both Rey and Jin that she could mistake young Jin for a young Rey. But once I told her that it was Jin or so, she was, uh, she was okay with it. And we moved on. So... I'm going to take another break at this point, having gone through the first five, and then I'll finish this off at the end, on the other end of the promo break with uh, the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy. Hang around, folks. I hope he's home. Why does it sound like I'm using a phone in the UK? I told you never to call me again. Yeah, I know. And modern science has yet to create a device to measure how much I don't care. Look, I'm getting the trailer for this year's JL May together, and I assumed I had to make you a part of it since you're always in everybody's trailer or something. <laughs> well, look at you leading this year's JL May. Somebody's wearing his big boy pants. So what's the theme? I sent you an email like a month ago. Like I even pay attention to anything you send me. Countdown to Infinite Crisis. Infinite Crisis? No, Countdown to Infinite Crisis. I'm not following. Shocking. The theme this year, I'm, I'm gonna, like I'm talking to a child. The theme this year is Countdown to Infinite Crisis. I thought it was a fascinating time period in DC's history. So a bunch of us are getting together to talk about the various specials and miniseries and crossovers that led up to Infinite Crisis. It's the event before the event. The whole thing is going to kick off on April 30th, 2020, with a special episode of Views from the Long Box covering the Countdown to Infinite Crisis 80-page giant, and from there, a whole bunch of shows that I will be adding in post-production will discuss these previously mentioned miniseries and crossover issues. And people actually agreed to this? Shockingly, yes! Well, it's probably a good thing that you're going to cover Countdown to Infinite Crisis instead of the Countdown series, because that was a train wreck. Yeah, you know, actually, that was my thinking, too. Now, are you going to help me with this trailer or not? Fine. I will help you with your little trailer. Good. Uh, Don't worry, by the way. There won't be any dates for you to get wrong. I hate you so much. JL May 2020. Countdown to Infinite Crisis. The event before the event. This crossover kicks off on April 30th, 2020. 
on Views from the Longbox, and continues into Aquaman and Firestorm, the Fire and Water podcast, Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake, Pop Culture Affidavit, It All Comes Back to Superman, The Fan Holes Podcast, Justice's First Dawn, The Birds of Prey Podcast, Married with Comics, The Coffee and Comics Podcast, The Longbox Crusade, Task Force X, Relatively Geeky Presents, Wonder Woman, Warrior for Peace, and the Dr. DC Podcast. Alright, welcome back folks. Uh, after Rogue One, I, we think we took a little bit of a break. At least that's what my Facebook post from March 15th said. I know at one point Netflix sent us uh, the second Maleficent movie and I think we watched something else too. I don't remember what, but in March we were back to the original trilogy. Well, not, I don't know if I want to say back to the original trilogy, but we have reached uh, that point. And uh, <laughs> when we started the original trilogy, it was just about when... Uh, Shit was going down when the pandemic was really starting to kick in. Everything was starting to close. Cause I write in, uh, something tells me we're about to have a bunch of time to continue this in the near future. But uh, we did stick to the weekly schedule, even though s- school was closed since the middle of March. Anyway, we're not here to talk about coronavirus. Century Fox and George Lucas bring you an adventure unlike anything on your planet. Star Wars. Stop that ship! I've forgotten how much I hate space travel. Here they come. They're coming in too fast! The story of a boy, a girl, and a universe. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. It's a big, sprawling space saga of rebellion and romance. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. Come with you to Alderaan. There's nothing for me here now. I want to learn the ways of the Force and become a Jedi like my father. It's a spectacle, light years ahead of its time. It's an epic of heroes. Good luck. Hit the accelerator. And villains. And aliens from a thousand worlds. Go that way. You'll be malfunctioning within a day, you nearsighted scrap pile. Star Wars. A billion years in the making. 
force will be with you. Always. So Haley's verdict was she really liked it. Like I said before in the pe- in the previous segment, I really had to coax her through Solo and even Rogue One a little bit. Not this time. Although she did have to go to the bathroom just as Luke was about to make his Death Star run. At that point, there were maybe seven minutes left in the movie, but she couldn't hold it. So it's kind of funny for after this for the remaining uh, movies, I kept reminding her, all right. Go to the bathroom before. That way we don't have to stop it right at the end. So you can run upstairs because the bathroom down here in the basement doesn't work. So I think she gets annoyed when I ask. I still ask that now for any movie. I gotta, gotta pee before we come down? But I couldn't believe it. He was just about to uh, go on his trench run when she uh, had to go to the bathroom. I mean, it's not like there are any end credit scenes. Once uh, the medals were given, she could have flown upstairs. But there was no boredom. She was fully engaged, although not engaged enough to point out where she didn't even notice that Greedo fired his shot. And you know what? After 20-some-odd years of Han really shot first, I was so happy that she didn't notice. But there was a little bit of a facepalm moment when she couldn't identify Obi-Wan Kenobi right off the bat when he showed up after Luke got attacked by the Sand People on Tatooine. She thought it was Qui-Gon. And because he was being referred to in the movie as Ben... Luke had her convinced that he was a relative of Obi-Wan's. And you should have seen her face when Obi-Wan identified himself. It was like someone slapped her across the head with the wet noodle of knowledge. It's like, oh, see, see the light bulb uh, go on above her head. I was somewhat concerned that she'd get bored, especially when you realize that the first 20 minutes of this movie is pretty much all robots. And then the next 20 minutes of, after that are Luke and Obi-Wan gabbing. Lots of exposition, which is necessary to set up the world you're in. Remember, even though she saw it sixth, this is the first Star Wars movie ever made. And the action doesn't really pick up until they get to the Death Star. And by then, at least 40% of the movie is done. So it's a long wait. And one point I want to make before I move on from this film, and I know some will disagree with me. That's okay. As a friend says, it's okay for you to be wrong. The opening crawl is an essential part of Star Wars. There is something about when a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away comes up and then the the logo comes up, you know, Star Wars, the blare of the fanfare, and you're automatically sucked into that world. The opening crawl is your transport into the world of Star Wars. I mean, even Clone Wars tries to do it. Some might say it's a recap, but it does serve the same purpose. For me, Solo and Rogue One had to work a little bit harder to get me into the world. Now. I hope the crawl is not thrown out with whatever Star Wars movies come next, especially if it's a multiple film story. Doesn't have to say Star Wars only. You know, Clone Wars just does does just fine with its logo. The theme in the crawl is somewhat something that's almost exclusive to Star Wars, and it would be a shame to lose it in whatever in whatever comes next. You know, honestly, to me, even Haley agrees that. Haley was excited when this movie started and we were back to the opening theme and the crawl. So it's an essential part of Star Wars. It kind of gives Star Wars its identity in a way. And it would be a shame to lose it. All right. So then we moved on to The Empire Strikes Back. 
Luke Skywalker and Han Solo rescued the princess, destroyed the Death Star, but their story didn't end there. Creators of the biggest smash hit of all time bring you the next episode in the Star Wars saga, The Empire Strikes Back. The continuing story of our band of heroes, Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Han Solo, C-3PO, R2-D2, and Chewbacca. And introducing Lando Calrissian. It's an epic of romance. Of heroes and villains. They cross trackless voids to unknown worlds. Galactic Odyssey against oppression. A big, new, sprawling space adventure in the Star Wars saga, The Empire Strikes Back. Coming to your galaxy, next summer. You know, I mean, one of the arguments for the Machete Order is that it doesn't spoil the reveal that Darth Vader was Luke Skywalker's father. Haley already knew that. So, she knew almost all those secrets, and a lot of her anticipation was for the characters to learn what she already knew. I mean, having just seen Han Solo in the brief scene in The Rise of Skywalker, she really didn't connect Han and Leia before Empire. And to be honest, she laughed at Luke's reaction to learning Darth Vader was his father. And she brought up some things that have never dawned on me. For example, when Luke jumps off the bridge, what exactly was he trying to accomplish? He had no plan. And as my own personal accomplishment, she now refers to uh, Carbonite Han Solo as a coffee table. I picked that up, I think, somewhere from, I think, Mark Hamill. It's some kind of documentary. He says, this happened, this happened, and Han turned into a coffee table. And I've been calling Han in the carbonite a coffee table ever since. So now she's calling it a coffee table. And uh, something else dawned on me. When they arrive at Bespin, that is the last time we see Han pilot the Falcon in the original trilogy. It's obviously implying when that he's flying it when they see him leave Tatooine and Return of the Jedi. But you never see it. So she went into Return of the Jedi with a ton of anticipation for the ending of those three films. Return for the climactic clash between the forces of good and evil. Return to a galaxy far, far away. Return of the Jedi. The next chapter in the continuing Star Wars saga. The battle for freedom rages on.
heart of a hero. The courage of a rebel. The strength of a leader. The loyalty of comrades. The power of the force. The cunning of the enemy. A destiny revealed. Is Darth Vader my father? A legend fulfilled. An epic of heroes, villains, and aliens from a thousand worlds. It's a trap! The quest continues. The circle closes. The saga lives on. Return of the Jedi begins May 25th at a theater in your galaxy. She was very interested in seeing whether Luke will bring Anakin back to the good side. She's a very good reader of emotion. She could tell that Luke was getting to Vader, even though she really couldn't see his face. You know, that one line, it's too late for me, son, always spoke to me that Luke was getting through to, to his father. She likes the, She liked the Ewoks. She's eight. She's supposed to. But overall, I asked her which of the two trilogies that we had seen that she likes better, and she picked the originals. I think her favorites are the original film and Jedi, both moved at a decent clip. I think she was getting a little bit bored in the middle of Empire with Luke's training and the Millennium Falcon chase. I mean, yes, I do. I agree with mostly everybody that Empire is the best of the three films, but I think for a young child of eight, the original film and Jedi have a little bit more to offer. And you can go back to Empire as you watch it more. And she has asked if we'll ever watch them again. I mean, now that she's seen them, we've watched them all together. I don't care if she can watch them whenever she wants. She's got Disney Plus up in her room. She can, if she wanted to turn on a Star Wars movie, it's well within her ability. But I think she'll come to appreciate Empire more as she gets older. So we went uh, right on uh, from uh, the original trilogy to... The Mandalorian. Is the world more peaceful since the revolution? It is a shame that your people suffered. Hunting is a complicated profession. They said you were coming. They said you were the best in the Parsec. Would you agree? Mandalorian. 
Look outside. They are waiting for you. Yeah? Good. My Facebook post on April 8th seems to indicate that we finished it. We took a break for a week or so, but I don't remember why. And uh, we did decide to hit the Mandalorian between the original sequel trilogies. And I think this is her favorite non Skywalker content. And honestly, I think it's more Baby Yoda than anything else. I think Baby Yoda is the only reason I even got her to watch this show in the first place. Plus, she did mention that she found the Baby Yoda plush on the internet for $11.99. When I wrote this post, her birthday was less than a month away. Her birthday is now is now six days away, and I did not get her a Baby Yoda plush. I got her something else. So basically, what we did was uh, it was the Sunday, you know, when we normally would have watched uh, a film. We watched the first three episodes. The nice thing about the show is that it doesn't require a two plus hour commitment like the movies do. So we weren't necessarily limited toward the weekend. We watched the first three episodes on on the weekend kind of like almost like a mini movie and then we watched the rest of them during the week i mean less than an hour so right after dinner we went down and uh watched an episode and then came up and got ready for bed and all that so obviously her affinity was initially for the child which is baby yoda proper name i believe was the child but i do think she was getting more interested in uh the mandalorian character she did ask if we were ever going to see his face I am still trying to reconcile the way they are presented here versus what we've seen so far in Clone Wars and Rebels, but time will tell. So we eventually, that same week, we basically started on the Sunday with the first three, and then Monday through Friday, we watched the last five episodes. But actually, that wasn't really the way I was expecting to do it. The way uh, the Mandalorian season was basically plotted out, and I'm not spoiling much, but I will say this. The first three episodes of The Mandalorian were one arc. The uh, middle three were standalone episodes that moved the show toward its conclusion, or the season rather, toward its conclusion. But And then the last two episodes were one story. So I was figuring, okay, maybe we'd, we started on the one weekend with the first three, then maybe watch the next three over the course of the week, and then finish the following weekend with the last two together. But no. Amazingly enough, we uh, got all five done that week and went right to The Force Awakens. So on Thursday and Friday of uh, of that week, we finished off uh, the show. She continued to be in love with the child, and there were tears at the end of Episode 7, which I, I didn't expect. She was hysterical after uh, the child was captured by the Stormtroopers. And I honestly thought that we were going to have to, after I put Emily to bed, that we were going to have to come back down here and finish off Episode 8. Just uh, so that she knew the child was okay, but it was it all right. Once everything settled, she was fine, and we waited until fr- until Friday. Now, as far as the uh, see the finale was, she uh, did not find the humor. The rest of us did, but the stormtroopers punching the child in the back. But she uh, liked the ending, especially the uh, baby do the magic hands bit from Carl Weathers' character, whose name is escaping me at the moment. So she said she liked the Mandalorian and plans to watch them with me uh, one at a time when. The show returns for season two. And uh, interestingly enough, when she walked in on me, uh, well, that sounds so ominous, doesn't it? <laughs> she came into my room uh, when I was watching the most recent episode of Clone Wars. 
it was part two of the uh, saga that's going on with Ahsoka and the Mandalorians. I don't remember exactly what it was called off the top of my head. But she walked in and she said, oh, wait, are they Mandalorians? And I said, yeah. And uh, so she's at least uh, making uh, making that connection. So I'm going to try to do Clone Wars with her eventually. That's going to be a little bit more of a long-term project than a one movie per week. So, all right. I'm going to take another break and play another promo. And then I'll come back and uh, I'll talk about the sequel trilogy. Hang around, folks. Batman Nightcast is back with new episodes and a new mission. I'm Ryan Daly. And I'm Chris Franklin. The new Nightcast chronicles the Dark Knight Detective's greatest adventures from our favorite comic book creators. What a novel approach, talking about the comics we actually enjoy. I know, right? Highlights from this bold new era of Batman Nightcast include... The Joker's Laughing Fish. The Saga of Ra's al Ghul. Is that how we're pronouncing it? Yes. Okay. Batman vs. the Man Bat. And the first appearance of villains like Clayface 3 and the Ventriloquist. Plus more great stories by the likes of Steve Englehart and Marshall Rogers. Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams. Alan Grant and Norm frickin' Brayfogle. Irv Novick. Don Newton. Doug Munch. Dick Sprang. Max Allen Collins. No, what? Just messing with you. Wasn't funny. Batman Nightcast, every month from the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Find it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and at fireandwaterpodcast.com. All right, welcome back, folks. So now for the sequel trilogy. I will preface this by saying that she was not nearly as enamored with these films as uh, she was with the original trilogy. I believe of the three trilogies, the original trilogy was her favorite. Who said my kid don't have taste? Who are you? I'm no one. I was raised to do one thing. But I've got nothing to fight for. Nothing will stand in our way. Finish what you started. There are stories about what happened. It's true. All of it. dark side. A Jedi. They're real. The Force. It's calling to you. Just let it in. 
So I think this movie ran a little bit long for Haley, but she enjoyed seeing the origins of the characters she met in The Rise of Skywalker. She uh, thought Snoke looked pretty creepy, and she's not wrong. And uh, being that she's uh, watched these over the course of the few months, kind of the scope of the time difference between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens is a little bit lost on her because she didn't live it the way, you know, most of us did. And when I say most of us, I'm assuming that most of us are around my age. Uh, I'm 39. You know, maybe you're a few years younger or, or you're older in the other, the other direction. But those of us who remember the quote-unquote dark times know how long it's been between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. So I think she was quite surprised when we finally see Han Solo, how much older he looks and how much he changed compared to Chewie, who still pretty much looks the way he did in... uh when we first saw him in 1977. So she likes Ray's character. And uh, she doesn't seem as invested in the new characters. Like Finn and Poe. She's more invested in the original trilogy characters. Even now to me. The sequel trilogy still. Feels like this hazy epilogue. To the other six films. And I still wish they'd gone in a different direction. Rather than trying to play for nostalgia. But. This movie also has my personal pet peeve. I hate Jakku. I am sick and tired of desert planets in Star Wars. If you wanted it to be Tatooine, just say it's Tatooine. You were not fooling anybody. That planet looks exactly like Tatooine. Okay, I'm sorry I ran over. But Haley didn't seem to enjoy it, and she was shocked by Han's death at the hands of Kylo Ren. And I thought it was going to be interesting to see her reaction to The Last Jedi. And we went right on to that film in the next week. When I found you, I saw raw, untamed power. And beyond that, something truly special. has always been there. But now it's awake. And I need help. I've seen this raw strength only once before. It didn't scare me enough then. It does now. Kill it. If you have to. That's the only way to become what you were meant to be.
This was the uh, Ryan Johnson effort. This was the penultimate film in the Skywalker saga. If you ask me, it really shouldn't have been. When I one of the things I remember when I saw it in the theater was is that this movie is an ending more than anything else. It's the end of one story and the start of a new one. I almost think Disney might have benefited from eschewing the, the trilogy format and breaking Rise of Skywalker into two films. But that's a discussion for another time. This film, you know, matches up nicely with The Force Awakens. And this, you know, this is like Empire in a way. I don't think it's as good as Empire. I am bored through the O.J. Simpson uh, space chase when they're basically... Uh, the First Order is chasing the Resistance at garbage truck speeds. But uh, I also do feel this film kind of, and The Rise of Skywalker does that too, fin- finishes this, is diminishes the First Order, which just seems to reduce the force, First Order to a bunch of ships. Maybe they lost a lot more in Skywalker based than we thought. But this is, uh, this was the first time I had seen it since seeing Rise of Skywalker, and I do feel it ends the story that began in Force Awakens, and the Rise of Skywalker starts a new story. And it was getting clear that the Disney trilogy was at least the first two films. The Rise of Skywalker doesn't. They were testing Haley's endurance. I could tell she was getting bored in the middle of The Force Awakens, and she was getting bored in the middle of this one, too. Again, maybe when she's older and has more of an appreciation for different aspects of Star Wars, she'll see the the little stuff that we the rest of us see. I appreciate it more having watched it Again, I see a little bit more every time I watch this film. And some of the things that are interesting about watching it is seeing things for the first time. I still don't care for the Canto Bite sequence, but Haley seemed to enjoy the uh, horsey rescue sequence. She found it funny. I don't think she's at a point where she gets a ton out of the things Luke said to Ray. Maybe when she's a little bit older, if she continues to watch the movies somewhat regularly. But she seemed to like the connection between Ray and Kylo. My main beef with... This film is that by the time we get to the Battle of Crate, I'm kind of done. And Haley was too, even though she thought the Silver Foxes were pretty cute. And she likes Ray, and like I do, but but we're both uh, really don't have much use for Finn and Poe. And she asked me who Phasma was when she came up to Finn at the end of this movie. She had no memory of Phasma from the uh, Force Awakens. I had to remind her a little bit who that was, and then she remembered it, you know. I don't, you know, people kind of compare Phasma to Boba Fett in the original trilogy. Like F- Boba Fett, I don't see what's so great about Phasma other than their look. So, that's that. So, we finished things off just a few days ago, ending our Star Wars watch with The Rise of Skywalker. instinct feeling the force brought us together we're not alone good people will fight if we lead them people keep telling me they know me no one does Long 
waited. And now, you're coming together. Is your undoing. What, uh, what are you doing there, 3PO? Taking one last look, sir, at my friends. Confronting fear is the destiny of a Jedi. Your destiny. I'll be honest, there was a part of me that didn't want to do this because I know we're moving on to other, you know, viewing and reading projects and stuff like that, but I didn't want this to end. And I know we're going to watch other things. We've talked about the Marvel movies. Uh, We're going to go back to the Christopher Reeve Superman films. She's only watched the first one. She never really got to two, three, and God help us four. But uh, this was special for me, and there is a part of me that even though there'll be other things we're going to watch together, I'm a little bit bummed now that we're done with Star Wars. Although, to be totally honest, after this episode is edited and after Clone Wars, I am a little bit done with Star Wars. I, for a while, at least a little bit. I mean, leading up to the rise of the, of Skywalker coming out in the theaters, I watched all 10 of the films by myself once a week leading up. So... I have now watched every Star Wars movie twice in like the last six months, and I wasn't anticipating that, and I can use a little bit of a break myself. So, as far as Rise of Skywalker goes, I've said this before, I'll say it again, I know this movie is a mess. It had far too much to do with where Ryan Johnson left things as The Last Jedi. It definitely would have been served best as two films. Maybe Disney should have done two uh, duologies instead of a trilogy. Or, you know, maybe if Disney had a plan going in. But I had an awesome experience viewing this movie in the theater with my daughter. And I'm so grateful for that experience that it elevates this film in a way that others don't. Whatever Star Wars fandom Haley ends up having, The Rise of Skywalker is the film that launched it. So I can't hate or dislike this movie. I understand why people, some people don't like it. I do not see anything in here that is a repudiation of The Last Jedi. This is Haley's favorite film of the sequel trilogy. Although I am appreciating The Last Jedi more every time I see it, this one is still my favorite. For me, I still get the Star Wars feels from this film better than I do the other two sequel trilogy films. That doesn't make The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi bad. Just for me, Rise of Skywalker captured something that the others didn't. And yes, there is a lot about this movie that feels divorced from the other two films. This does feel like something completely different, and 
a lot happened in this movie that could have been probably done better as two films. There were things that were half-baked and stuff there wasn't room for. And I came down on kind of the uh, archaeological dagger hunt. And honestly, I don't know why I did that here and didn't really come down on The Force Awakens for the same thing. I mean, really? A map to Luke Skywalker? Luke didn't want to be found. Why would he have left a trail of breadcrumbs for someone to follow? And how come nobody's ever addressed that? It's something else. Maybe someone has and I just haven't noticed. I don't know. But I get the Star Wars feels. I understand why people are upset about things from this movie. Yes, I'm forgetting the actor who played Rose off the top of my head. Yes, she did get the short shrift. Maybe it would be better to not have her at all. I mean, you can't flesh out every character's story. There's just not enough real estate. And a supporting character is a supporting character for a reason. You know, she fulfilled her story in The Last Jedi. And the story's not about her. Now, interestingly, during the film, Haley commented that Rise Skywalker felt short. And she, like I said, she slogged through The Last Jedi and The Force Awakens. And I do want to add before I go that uh, thanks to uh, Zaki Hassan, who does the movie film podcast, and if you're uh, not listening to that, you most definitely should be, Force timing is now part of our vocabulary. You know, she liked that, and uh, she continues to say it. So, thanks, Zaki. Well, in viewing this film again, I did ask her, because she we, we had seen The Rise of Skywalker together, if we were going to watch it again at the end, and she agreed. And what I was really interested to see was if she got more from the film during this watch than when we saw it in the theater, and she definitely did. And she's game for the franchise to continue. And then she asked me if it's going to be in episode 10. But I told her... While we don't know what the next Star Wars movie is right now, we we do know that it's going to be something completely different. And I find that absolutely refreshing. I love the idea that the next time Haley and I sit down in a movie theater to see Star Wars, whether it's in two years or five years, I don't want to push it and say in ten years. She'll be 19 at that point and probably won't be going to the movie with dear old dad. So. But yeah, the next time we sit down, it'll be something completely different. And I can't wait for that. And I can't stress enough how much I enjoyed this experience with Haley. You know, I mean, if, you know, Scott Rifen were here and he would have asked me, where's my Star Wars story now? It's evolving. It's now with my daughter. And, and maybe in a few years, the next daughter, Emily, who's turning three in July, will start to uh, appreciate it as well. You know, it's just... I really enjoyed sharing it with Haley. I enjoyed sharing my thoughts on sharing it with Haley with you. And I hope you've enjoyed it. If you want to send me feedback, tell me what you thought. Always welcome. Manascreen at gmail.com. If you want to join the conversation over the Facebook group, just put Manascreen Podcast in your search feed and the show should come up. You can also find the show on Twitter at Manascreencast. Until next time, folks. Remember, the Force will be with you. Always. The Man of Screen Podcast is produced by Mike Zemo, and all opinions expressed on the show are those of Mike Zemo and his guests and no one else. All music and sound clips used on the show are for review purposes only, and no copyright infringement is intended. All music and sound clips are copyright their original copyright owners. The Man of Screen is a member of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network. 
and can be found at www.twotruefreaks.com. If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at twotruefreaks.com to shop there. If you do, the Two True Freaks get a little cut of what you buy, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you can shop as usual and help out the Two True Freaks at the same time. Email to this show can be sent to manofscreen at gmail.com. And you can also leave the show a review on iTunes. That will help others find the show. Thank you for listening to the Man of Screen Podcast.